Hi, I'm Joy. And I'm Janelle. And we are your hosts of the Melanin and Miles podcast. We are just two Black girls in our 20s who have traveled to over 25 countries and five continents. And we want to share our travel experiences and advice with you. Like when I went cliff jumping in Jamaica, or when I booked a flight for only $6, and even when I lived with a host family who didn't speak any English in Spain for four months. Or when I went skydiving in D.C., swam with elephants in Thailand, and won over $200 at a casino in Puerto Rico. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast and tune in every Tuesday for new episodes. Before we get into the episode, make sure you get your hands on our free Budget Babe travel guide to learn the top 10 ways you can be saving hundreds or even thousands of dollars on your next travel adventure. Get the guide straight to your inbox at melaninandmiles.com slash free. This segment of our podcast is called The Check-In, where we both update you guys on where we've been traveling and life updates in 60 seconds or less before we get into the episode. Hey guys, it's Janelle checking in. And this week has been very hectic, which I'm sure is true for a lot of people around America right now. Um... I hope a lot of people are working on like the Black Lives Matter movement, working on justice for George Floyd, and trying to do whatever they can to help, whether it's protesting, donating, uh, staying at home, sharing information, whatever you can. I hope everyone's helping and also staying safe at the same time. Hey everyone, welcome back to Melanin and Miles. This week we are interviewing Sojourner White, and she helps students and young professionals incorporate, incorporate travel into their careers. This passion came from a lot of past experiences from studying abroad in Granada, Spain and Morocco, and then living abroad as a Fulbright fellow in Logroño, Spain, and also interning abroad in Berlin. Right now, she's a graduate student at Washington University in St. Louis and also a travel blogger and a writer. And Sojourner has a lot of great stories that she would love to share with us today. So welcome, Sojourner. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Hey, girl. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) So we're just going to get started with kind of your study abroad experiences, just because that seems like a foundation to a lot of the things you're doing. So what place did you study abroad first and how did you decide you wanted to go? Yeah, so I studied abroad in Spain and Morocco at the same time. Um, I was in I was in Granada, Spain, which is in the southern part um, of Spain, which is beautiful and my favorite part. I am very biased. Uh, towards it, but I had no intentions of going to Spain. I wanted to go to Latin America. And then I got to my school and they're like, yeah, no, we don't have programs there. So you're going to have to go uh, to Spain. <laughs> wow. And so I ended up going there. It ended up being really great. Obviously, it led me to my uh, career abroad, but uh, I really wanted to learn Spanish. I double majored in psychology and Spanish in undergrad at Bradley University. So I just really wanted to fully immerse myself. I almost got a D in this like intro to literature class. And I'm like, all right, either I'm dropping the major or I'm just going to go abroad and finish most of my credits. Um, And that's pretty much what I did. And then a part of that was doing a Morocco exchange program. So we were in Granada for about two weeks or so. And then we went to Morocco for like a week and a half and lived with the host family. And we talk to students just about like stereotypes they had of the U.S. and stereotypes that we held 
about uh, Moroccan culture or like Muslim culture in general. Um, and so it was really great, like the whole experience, because also Granada's history of being informally occupied and belonged to technically like by the Moors and the Alhambra, which is their biggest tourist attraction, is a Moorish castle. So there are a lot of similarities between the two areas that we were in. Cool. So that's kind of cool that you got to go to like both countries and exchange in both countries. Do you think that um, people who study abroad in Spain should go to Morocco if it's not like included in their program? I definitely think so, because the most southern tip of Spain is only nine miles from Morocco, like across the across the water. So I think it's a good experience, especially if you're in southern Spain, too, in like Sevilla or or Cordoba or any part of southern Spain, just because their history ties in with Moroccan history so much. And when I got to Morocco, we were in like Rabat and Asila and Chef Shawin, which is now like the Instagram famous yeah like (laughs) it was not instagram famous when i was there in 2015 really Um, no it wasn't (laughs) i didn't put together it was the same place until like a few years afterwards when i kept seeing this blue place i'm like it looks familiar and then i realized it was the same place that i was in but way more way more touristy now but i definitely think if you're in spain you might as well morocco is not that far right and it just gives you a different feel especially like a lot of european places eventually once you've been to enough of them like they kind of start to feel similar still very different in their in their (laughs) own culture but they definitely have like a similar vibe in each spot so going to morocco was was a nice introduction to like northern africa and it made me even more curious about um other parts of africa that i have yet to explore yet Right. Um, Janelle and I both studied abroad in Spain and um, we've both been to Morocco. So I definitely see what you're saying about like needing some different culture and stuff like that. <laughs> like I was in Madrid and oh my gosh, the way I got to Morocco was so annoying. Like I took a bus <laughs> and then a boat, but it was like a group trip. So it wasn't as yeah. bad. It was like an overnight bus, but it was just like the things I did to save money on that trip. Oh my listen, god! <laughs> listen, I I can't even judge. I took a bus to Portugal, and let me tell you, never again. I did never. that too. It was so long. That's a lot. Oh my! It was so long. There was no air conditioning. Oh That's no! Other story. It was on the mess. bus. On the bus, it was so hot. I don't know if it was packed with too many people. It was through like Discover Adventures, I think. So it was a Sevilla oh, based. Yeah, they, I don't, wouldn't say go now because there was a lot of like sexual assault that came out, like a whole like lawsuit issue that came out from one of their tour guides. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I found that out a few years, like a few years after I, I, I went, but, um, but yeah, no, it, it was an adventure. So I, I can't even judge you for taking the bus from Madrid to Morocco. <laughs> cool. So my last question about like, your study abroad program to Spain and Morocco is like, how did you prepare to go abroad? Um, Were you like, had you traveled before or were you kind of new to it? And did you do any, like you said you were kind of taking classes before, but like, were you ready for the language and things like that? Yeah. So I started learning Spanish in sixth grade. So I had learned, I had been learning it for a while I didn't really learn about Spain, like Spain's culture. I realized once I got there, because like words were different um, than like what I had learned. And in Granada, I don't know 
I'm sure you all know being in Spain, all the different dialects that can be yeah. in Spain. So Granada has the 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 Theo thing, the and so me and my host mom, we didn't have a real conversation until like a month and a half in because she would be saying stuff and I had no idea what she was saying just because the accent was so different. So I think I was prepared for like just understanding you know, the basics of the language. But as far as like Spanish culture, we didn't, it wasn't that I learned like in middle school and high school, more in college where I was introduced to it. Cause that's where a lot of my professors, a lot of them study like Spanish art. We had one visiting professor from um, Basque country, like the semester before I left. So he was a good introduction. So he actually was really helpful in like teaching us about Spain's culture. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, no, I, I learned a lot from him. I figured out once I got there, I'm like, oh, that's why he did this. And he said it like that. So it was, that was probably the best experience that I, that I had. But as far as like Spain in general, it just wasn't something, it wasn't something that uh, they really specialized in when I was a kid. So I was kind of prepared and I kind of wasn't. And then my, and I had a study abroad office too, Um, And so they did some pre-departure sessions for us, but I actually ended up working for them afterwards. I wanted to help more students be more prepared. I like created a whole internship for myself in their office after study abroad because I wanted I wanted people to, you know, make sure they felt even more prepared than I did to to go abroad. So it was a mix. That's really good that you're just like wanting to help people after I feel like when I went to Spain I was just like they did not tell me like Spain is pretty simple it's not that hard of a study abroad country I would say but there's still some things that I'm just Mm -hmm. like y'all should tell me the food was like this (laughs) like listen they're like they're like oh okay pica I'm like this is like ketchup this is not hot oh my gosh literally a sensitive topic for me the food (laughs) Yeah, they definitely did not. As far as so I'm, I'm with you on that though. They didn't do like the things. I think you only learn when you're living in a country, but they still could have warned us. Also, like diversity is not really their strong suit. So, yeah. Could your host mom cook? Oh yeah, Bernarda. Bern- yeah, <laughs> Bernarda can be fed. Like, no. her- yeah, but yeah. Bern- Bernarda kept me fed uh and we actually got really close like I will watch um all the little telenovelas with her like during my lunch hour sometimes I would come home from school and stuff no she she was really helpful and you know and Granada's pretty chill they had the no pasa nada lifestyle so anytime I was like yeah I'll be home around this time she's like no pasa nada like she was just like go out like enjoy yourself (laughs) like she was she was so chill and and so, yeah, she's actually really, really great. And I did have to tell her, though, because I guess we'll talk about later when it talks about being black in Spain. But uh, she thought my dad was white because she wasn't used. She, she never had like a black American like study abroad student. And she thought I was like lighter than what she envisioned black people to be. So we had a little cross-cultural experience going on in there, oh, too. OK, yeah, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. <laughs> But all right, I guess back to the study part. I know you did a Fulbright Fellowship. You said in Lagrona, Spain. Can you explain to the listeners what the Fulbright Fellowship is for those that might be interested? Yeah, so Fulbright is a really great program. Um, it pretty much sends students or students with, well, the program I did was the English teaching assistant 
program. So that program in particular sends students or postgrads to go abroad and teach English in a different country. And after I got back from Spain, I decided I wanted to go back because I felt like five months I was just getting comfortable. And so I wanted to see what it was like to live there more long term. Um, and it's a pretty rigorous application process. I think I wrote my essays and got them drafted at least six or seven times. Um, and it was a, it was considered part of a class too, like a fellowships thing. So I got like I got credit for it because um, I had a whole advisor who guided me through the entire process. I had to get letters of recommendation, and I had to get like my Spanish evaluated because they wanted to make sure you had some sort of grounding of the language before you went. So it's pretty rigorous, um, even more rigorous. I went to a smaller, mid-sized liberal arts school, um, so I didn't have to interview with my campus advisor. I know some bigger name schools have to do that, but but that wasn't something I had to do. Um, and then I had to wait. I applied for it in October and I didn't find out I was going until St. Patrick's Day of 2015 or 2016 um, is when I found out. So it's a pretty long process. There's like a first, like a semifinalist round that you find out in January and then you have to wait again for a few more months to see if you're a finalist. So it's uh, it so, was but like once you once you got it, everything was paid for, right? Like Oh yeah. That was beautiful. Everything was paid for. I didn't have to pay for my visa either. Um I went to the consulate in Chicago and they were like, no, for Fulbright, it's we don't like we don't charge for you all because it's like a government cross cultural exchange program. Uh so there are a lot of benefits uh when it came to Fulbright. Financially too, I was living in Longronio, which if you don't know what it is, I did not either prior to prior to going, but it's in the Spanish uh, community of La Rioja. So it's in Northern Spain, about an hour and a half south of Bilbao. Um, and it's their wine region. And so just living there was so different from Granada uh, because it was in Northern Spain. It was a whole different culture. And that was the first year Fulbright had people in Longronio. Um, so we were their first cohort <laughs> and that was new for them. It was new for us. Um, but it was definitely a long process, but it, it had its benefits. We had garden parties, um, mid-year celebration, end of the year celebration, um, all the good stuff. What, um, dialect was, was it there? Cause I feel like it was different than what it was in Granada. Yeah, they spoke, I mean, their Spanish, I think was easier to understand. I don't, I think, I don't want to call it regular Spain Spanish, because I don't know <laughs> if, that's, if that's accurate to say, but, uh, but it, it was fine. And then, you know, País Vasco or Basque Country, they have um, Basque and everything. So yeah. they, so, but no one in Longronio spoke Basque. There are people who were Basque who live in Longronio, but no one really spoke it. It was just Spanish. Interesting. Looking up okay. a map now because I'm like, so, yeah. Oh, I. Oh wait. Yeah, no. It's, it's kind of near. Bilbao. It's up there. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling. Wait. Because I went to Basque Country and I went to Bilbao and San Sebastian, and I'm like, did we drive through Logroño or like have a pit you stop? Because like we stopped in this like yeah. small little <laughs> town. <laughs> yeah there's a lot of those yeah around. and i'm just like i have <laughs> no know. idea which one it was it might have been actually i have no idea which one it was but it was like on the way and we stopped yeah it may have been but there are so many small towns like longronia is definitely like the bigger city in the area but 
it was small to me. It was only 150,000 people. And like, I grew up in Milwaukee and that's like 600,000. So yeah. yeah. So going back and forth was, was definitely different, but you may have, or there's like so many little small wine towns around there. Cool. So can you explain your transition from just study abroad to a whole career abroad? Yeah. And then can you explain like what that career is to the crowd? Yeah. So I decided like I really love to travel and I'm like, how can I make this part of part of my life? Like, how can I make it part of a career so that I don't have to always rely on like PTO or something? Because two weeks in the U.S. is that is that is sham of vacation time in my opinion especially when you hear about European vacation time it's it's crazy so I wanted to figure out how to build travel into my career and that kind of initially led me to international education and then I happened to find my master's of social work program and they had a concentration in international development which is similar but it's more around like policy um work and like anti-poverty type type courses so it gave me like more of international context and so technically I'm pursuing a career of like international social work though that's not like an actual title you'll see written on a job application um so if you think about jobs like working for the UN or Amnesty International Save the Children like those are types of international social work areas or even working for like a U.S. embassy the foreign service, those type of jobs are what you can do as an international social worker. So I decided I wanted to pivot to make my skill set a little more broad than just education. Like I do have interest in it still, but I wanted to make sure I had the flexibility um, to have an international career, but also, especially now with the whole global pandemic and COVID-19 and everything, being a social worker, like I have a dual skill set. So I was looking looking abroad for jobs but also I can still have a career in the U.S. as well, even if it's outside of an international scheme. So I wanted that kind of flexibility uh, to move around and do what I want to do. And that's how I pretty much chose my chose my career path. I'm like, all right, it has international in it. That's what I want to do. So, yeah, and I, I didn't want to do um, like politics, like strictly politics or strictly international affairs, though it's all overlapping. And I like the grounding of like race and like racism and gender and all the stuff that we get through our social justice programming and social work. Cool. Um, No, that's like really interesting because I feel like a lot of people feel like travel just has to be a completely separate thing and they don't really know how to like combine like travel and like their life's work with it <laughs> so that's really yeah. cool that you were able to find that it's really hard um, too <laughs> yeah it is. No, it it's is. hard yeah. it's hard even now like learning a language was probably the best thing I was able to do and that helped that helped me in the field because like international jobs if you only speak English like it's really hard to get into the career mm-hmm. um so you may decide later, like, oh, I want to do this career, but I don't know a language. So you have to not only learn a language to get into the career, then you have to find a job. So it's it's really layered and it's really rooted in just having the access and experiences too, um, which can be difficult. Yeah. A follow-up question. So like, so for your career, like how do you keep up with your language skills? Yeah, so I'm... <laughs> 
I've been trying to still watch like movies and listen to music in Spanish since I'm not uh, like living in Spain or living in a Spanish speaking country. Uh, so I try to do that. I still read in Spanish. I still have all, I have a bunch of grammar books that I still refresh um, my memory with. Uh, so a lot, but a lot of like Netflix subtitles or watching shows in, in a different language keeps me up to date. I want to start learning other languages once I, once I graduate too. Um, like French or Portuguese or something, and I will probably require or rely on like apps or Rosetta Stone or whatever. I really have to, and then eventually go out and do more like in-person work when we can do that again. And then even there's a bunch of online like networking opportunities that I was introduced to in undergrad that are allow for intercambios or like the like the uh, language exchange too. Because, like, after my program, I'm just, like, I forget everything. (laughs) And, like, my classes (laughs) were so hard that they made me feel like I didn't know anything. Mm. And then I would go home and, like, be able to talk to my host mom. And I was just, like, who's right and who's wrong? Because I can have a conversation, but, like, I can't write an academic paper (laughs) Yeah, I think studying it helped me have that dual thing because I didn't know how to speak it for so long. Um, and then when I went to Spain, I was forced to. And then in Longroño, because it's not a tourist destination, they don't really speak English. So I had to speak Spanish pretty much for the entire year I was gone. And that was that was very impactful because it makes it easier now to kind of jump in and out of conversations in Spanish. Cool. So... Um. Yeah, I just have one more question. I guess relating to career abroad. I know mm-hmm. you're a travel writer slash blogger. Can mm-hmm. you tell us more about so journeys? Because I know I looked at the website and it looked like you had a lot of cool stuff on there. Yeah. So I started so journeys when I was studying abroad. You know, let me start a blog, and I think I blogged like four times the whole five months I was gone. But I I have been writing since I was a kid. My mom always made me write in journals. So it was something I had always done privately. And then once I found travel, I kind of found that I like writing about it publicly too. And then I started writing for Las Morenas de España when I was teaching abroad. So I was doing contributing work for them. And that kind of propelled me into buying my own domain uh, and propelled me into the whole travel writer, travel blogger space. And now I write for my own stuff that was been a while with grad school and then other websites around like how to find fellowships abroad or internships abroad, tips on grad school. A lot of that's on the website ProFellow, which is a website that has a bunch of options for people to find fellowships in any country, honestly, around the world, around any field. Uh, So I do a lot of work with them, too. That's cool. I love, um, like, everyone's travel blog or, like, when people, like, post things like this. Because I feel like not enough people can, like, really see what Black people are doing when they're traveling. And this is a great way to get it out there. Yeah, and it's so so different depending upon where you are too like my experiences in spain are different from people who may have studied abroad in morocco full for the full five months Mm -hmm. and not just the short period i was there or even in parts of europe 
it also depends on what city you're in. Like my my experience in Granada was so different from my experience in Longronio. Not only because I was a student in one and like considered a professional in the other, but just the demographic was different. Um, going to the other big cities around Europe, like London and Berlin, like you just see how life is life varies. So I try to bring that into in the blog too. And I've connected with a lot of other travel bloggers and we've done some collaborative pieces on like what it's like to be a black American in Europe because it is so varied and just other, other issues that always arise, you know, right. when it comes to race. Speaking <laughs> of that, thanks for transitioning us perfectly. <laughs> um, so <laughs> before we get into more of like being black and um, in Spain, like, Tell us a little bit more about Berlin, and then we'll start to compare them as far as um, being Black in both of those countries. Berlin was... Uh-huh. So I went to Berlin last summer, and it was, it's funny because after I finished Fulbright, I'm like, all right, I'm not going to live in Europe again. Like I want to experience you know, a different continent just because I had spent like almost a year and a half uh, in in Spain. And so I ended up applying to grad school and this is where my interest fit for my grad program. So I went for grad school. It's how I built it into my career. Um, I went and worked at a, like a social impact gender consulting firm and it was so different from Spain. Uh, it, it was just, it was a whole different culture really, but I, I did like Berlin because it has this artsy, hippie feel to it all the street art all the markets uh i i'm a fan of really good public transportation so i love berlin in that regard and it's a it's really an international city and i think i had never lived in like a big capital city in europe so that made it very different from from being in spain but it was a great time i enjoyed myself i ate a lot of great delicious kebabs and all this other food yeah i really want to go i didn't go to any um cities in germany but i've heard like good things about it and like how like it's just like a really interesting place to go i agree it's i I would highly recommend going in the summertime because it's still germany it gets cold um so in the summer there were so many markets so much music uh and they definitely have more like black people, I would say, than than small like smaller town of Longronio and even uh, even Granada. Gotcha. So now that we know that you've been to Spain, different parts of Spain, Berlin, what would you say your experience like? Could you share any um, specific memories from being black in Spain? I know you talked about your um, host mother, so we can start with that <laughs> and like, and just give us some context about you too, because of course we're on the podcast, so they can't like see you or see your host mom. So, <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, so Bernarda, she was so funny because in the in the beginning, so I should preface it by saying I had. Um, my like whole sister was um from Guinea. So she was had beautiful dark skin. Um and so I wonder if that was how she was getting her comparison. But she thought because I was lighter than her, like that my dad was white, not understanding that there are shades of like blackness. Wow. And that was really the only thing she Yeah, I was like, you know, everybody doesn't have like super dark skin, which is beautiful obviously, but that's not necessarily 
how it all works. Um, so she thought just because I was lighter and I'm not even light. I like I would never be called light skin by any <laughs> black person in the U.S. So for me, I was so confused. I was like, I'm I'm not sure how to how how to go about this. But in Granada, that's when the first time someone asked me like, "What part of Africa are you from?" And I was so confused. I'm like, y'all are colonizers. <laughs> y'all know how the world works. Like I was, <laughs> I was blown because they just I'm like, no, 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 no. But like, where do you where are you really from? Like, I'm from Wisconsin. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I can tell you different states, like, of my of my dad's side, like, from Mississippi and my stepdad's side, Louisiana. My mom's side is from, like, Alabama. But I can't tell you, like, what part of Africa because that's not how slavery worked. And so it's really hard to say all of that in Spanish. <laughs> so it was, like, sometimes I didn't know what to say just because, like, is it was it worth, like, the emotional and mental labor to translate like the transatlantic slave trade history to you in Spanish or do I just right. go about my day? So it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. And then in Berlin, I didn't get it as much um, because Berlin is Berlin. Also, from what I understand, Berlin is not like the rest of Germany. Uh, and so when I was in Berlin, nobody really asked me that question. A lot of the black people who I met, uh, who were African, they were confused because they thought I spoke French. So that's the one thing I learned is that I probably learned the, lo- the wrong language because everybody who I want to talk to <laughs> who is Black and in Europe speaks French and I speak Spanish. I get that 100%. Because <laughs> I was in Brussels. I saw some beautiful bouncers at a club and they had lot. They were gorgeous and I had no idea what they were saying. Wow. At that moment, I knew I learned the wrong language. So... Yeah. <laughs> no, I so, at an Airbnb I stayed in, my host like started speaking to me straight in like French, thinking I knew what was going on and I had no idea at all. And it was just a mess. Yeah, and they really think they look at you like English? I'm like, yeah, I'm like oh. <laughs> I'm like I feel so ashamed. <laughs> like I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying but uh as far as negative experiences I thankfully I've never had anything blatant I know I did notice though that I don't like wearing my hair out in Europe which is kind of sad because it's a big like I love doing my hair I love head wraps I love you know everything that goes in with having like a twist out or a braid out or a fro and I found that I was really self-conscious when I was in Spain about it, because I got a lot of attention when I wore it, just from like what? people like growling at on the street, like, hmm. like I'm like, okay, what do sir, you mean, I, need you to I don't away. understand. Yeah, no, like I don't, <laughs> I can't even do it because it was like I'll be walking and they would just turn around and start looking their lips. I'm like, okay, like I am, this is not okay. So I didn't really I don't ever and they really didn't do it when your hair, hair was a like whole up. lot I wore it you know every few weeks when I took my braids out not really so I was so confused it was it was a yeah Lincolnia was I've never heard place that let me tell you <laughs> that's crazy but but yeah it um yeah and then it was so weird because they would call me like Morena, Morena, like neck, like they just yell that down the street, like sir, I am trying to get on the bus to go to work, like I am not, like it's like nine a.m., like I'm not trying to talk to you. So there was a bit of catcalling, I think that 
maybe if I'd taken the time, would have found out with more of curiosity, but I wasn't taking that chance because um, it felt like a fetish. So I just kind of like mind my business, but I did notice that that was one thing I didn't really enjoy doing. I think was, like, I was wearing my hair out all the time, but I feel like Madrid is way more metropolitan and people don't care about other people. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. Oh. I could live in Madrid over, over the smaller areas where I've lived. Um. Yeah. But I, yeah, Madrid definitely. I didn't get it when I was in big cities though. So I figured that was more of a gotcha. small town. Um, we don't have a lot so of black people type. Other than situation. those bouncers, <laughs> did you meet any locals? Or if you want to get real juicy, did you have any <laughs> dating experiences in any of your times abroad? <laughs> So as far as like meeting locals, I, so I, when I, when I lived in Longronio, I had a Spanish roommate. I had a Spanish roommate and Australian roommate and two French roommates. So we had a lot going on cross-culturally at home too, at, during that time. So I got to hang out with our Spanish roommate quite a bit and just get to know her. And then I still kept in touch with my host mom for a little bit. And I still have, like I had a mentor when I was in Granada who I got to know. Um, so when I go back, I go visit her too, which is really like, just cool to have friends in different different parts of the of the world. As far as dating, I'm the worst person to give dating advice because that's just not my area of expertise. Uh, I mean, I've met people, but <laughs> nothing. I'm sorry, I don't have any juicy juicy stories for you. But I met a lot of I met a lot of real people who tried. You know, they really try to shoot their shot. And so there are a lot of really random nights and clubs where dancing people I've I have never seen again. Um, but that's about the ex- extent. I did. <laughs> hey, that make sounds out with the guy once pretty accurate. Club, I don't know where he is right now, but you know, we, <laughs> you know, we 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 had the one time oh, during that was when that was like Christmas when I was in Prague. So that's. Oh, yeah. So I, I went and traveled like when I was teaching abroad for two weeks. I went to Prague for Christmas then like Budapest. So, yeah, I made I made my <laughs> way around uh, Europe and, you know, may have broken a few hearts along the way, but not enough. To, <laughs> not enough to have serious stories about it. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess this is leading to the conclusion of the interview. So our final question, I feel like it's always the most important question. It's why do you think it's important for Black women to travel? I think it's important for Black women to travel just because, I mean, first off, we're pretty great. Um, And it's just cool to meet people from around the world, especially as a Black woman. A lot of people don't, don't really know what that means. And so you kind of you are that person where they kind of ask questions too. And no, it's up to you to educate or just kind of go about your day. But there are a lot of really great conversations I've had with people in cafes or, you know, a few Spanish women in bathroom lines and clubs and stuff. And so it's just a great experience to to meet other other people of different cultures and just also show them, like, you know, what you see on television is not necessarily what it's like. 
because uh, a lot of people had stereotypes, especially coming from Wisconsin. <laughs> They're like, oh, like that 70s show. I'm like, there were like no black people in that show. So that is not the Wisconsin that, <laughs> that you know, I know coming from Milwaukee. So even letting them know that what you see is not exactly what you get. And I've met a lot of black, really great black women, especially Where? in Spain. I don't know, Joy, if you met a lot of, there's like, there's a pretty solid community. Nah, literally, in I would like, there's really? like one a black, a black women? You like, didn't meet them? Like three, I'm, like, uh, like beauty supply shops and there always just be like african men standing i never saw like a african woman ever like ever in the four months that i was there it was always just groups of african men like immigrants just standing and talking like together like not doing anything and like i met like black women who were just students like studying abroad but like nobody that was ever from spain or madrid yeah so oh my gosh that's so funny because that's Madrid's like the only place where I found black women that is so funny because I went to a whole conference there and there was a whole black women in Spain conference but um so I guess you kind of repeated the conference because <laughs> I met <laughs> they all, like, like so many shadows so many great black women uh just like yeah I'm like it was like I'm like, I guess they all came out for that conference because that was it. Uh, but in any regard, just like traveling and meeting new people is a is it always a good adventure. And then as Black women, we have, especially if you're like Black American, there's a lot of passport privilege that goes with having, you know, the blue and gold American passport and just being able to use right. it to not only I if know. you don't want to educate other people, using it to I was lonely. I would be in the club. I'd be like too. the only black person. I'm so sorry you didn't meet out, the black women, like, Joy. There's I'd be so like, there's many. like thousands, there, I, there's I like could, hundreds of people in this club. Like, why <laughs> is it like this? <laughs> oh my gosh. Because I know what. That's, that's crazy because I actually met up with a, with a woman who I met. She's Trinidadian, but she lives in, she's been in Madrid for like three years. And she she lives in Madrid and they have a whole like black Caribbean community. There's like a black American community. It may be more expats than students. So that that may have been why. Because I definitely didn't meet a whole lot when I studied abroad. And but when I lived the abroad, on the passport traveling, that's when I met Do you guys think that's going to go away now that the U.S. has like so many COVID cases? <laughs> and like we're not going to be allowed to travel to other countries. Mm. Ooh. That's a good question. <laughs> I don't. I mean, if the U.S. is, oh, I have so many thoughts, but the U.S. is like <laughs> is showing out right now and showing all the reasons why we are not, we are not the country people thought we were. Um, so I don't, I don't know how it's gonna be. I, I mean, for my own selfish reasons, I hope not. But I would assume that. I mean, people have to protect their own right people. i was so just like thinking about putting that, restrictions like, dang, we can't like they're gonna look at the u.s password and be like you are not allowed in here boo boo they're like are you american <laughs> are they did, did you get tested or you yeah put, like well clorox in your veins like what like, all what, of our questions for you we wanted to thank you so oh. much for coming on and just let everyone know where they can follow you where they can read your blog and all of that stuff
um, for my blog, it's just Sojourneys, S-O-J-O-U-R-N-I-E-S dot com. So it's a play on my name. So you, you can find all of the stories and tips over over the years there. And then on Twitter, it's at Sojourneys. And then Instagram is at the Sojourneys as well. So awesome. come find me, so come connect. So I love much. talking to and people, especially black women about traveling, just because I think we should all do it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Bye.